At Kroger, everyone wins when it comes to saving big. Because when you order online through the Kroger app, you get the same great prices, deals, and rewards on pickup or delivery that you do in-store with no hidden fees or markups. Best of all, you'll know when items in your cart have a coupon, so you never miss a deal. So whether you're a delivery lover, picker-upper, or you shop in-store, no matter how you shop, you'll always save big at Kroger. Kroger, fresh for everyone. All right, welcome back to the death lineup. We wanted to be back after more games during the Lakers series, but schedule reasons uh, didn't allow us to do that. And unfortunately, the Warriors lost the Lakers. So this is your end of the season podcast. If the Warriors had made it to the Western Conference Finals, I think we would have been able to come back for most of those games, but didn't happen. So now we're here to talk about uh, what's going on with the team. And I guess we kind of have to start with... Bob Myers, Bry, Anthony Slater and Shams posted uh, on The Athletic. I'll just read from it. Now I'm going to get your immediate uh, response here. So they wrote, this is actually the lead, the two lead paragraphs of the story. Golden State Warriors and president of basketball operations, Bob Myers, have had no substantial contract extension talks in months and the sides are bracing for the likelihood that Myers could walk away from the franchise league sources told the athletic his contract is up on June 30th. So that is currently about five and a half weeks, uh, a little, maybe just a little bit less than six weeks away. Both sides exchanged offers and counter offers several months ago. And there has since been no traction on a new deal. League sources say the Warriors have not yet presented an offer that has blown Myers away, but there's also a growing sense that, an ever-competitive market offer near the top of the executive food chain may not keep Myers with the franchise that he joined in April of 2011 as an assistant general manager before his promotion to GM in April of 2012. Okay. This was posted from what from what we saw in a tweet, like maybe even at the time that the team was having like some sort of function, so that was probably awkward, but... It sounds like Bob Myers may not be running the Warriors anymore. What is your immediate thought after reading that and hearing that? Uh, I don't know. Not does it's not a it's not a great thing to read when you know how much he's done for this franchise. Um, I I feel like I think I think uh one of the guys I think it was Anthony Slater mentioned it on the podcast that you know. Bob Myers re-signing or coming back would almost feel like a, you know, what Iguodala did this past year. It was kind of just like a, a four-step signing, um, and you know, Iguodala was probably ready to hang it up after that after that uh, championship, but came back for Steph. I feel like that would be how Bob Myers comes back to. And I mean, it doesn't say like, like it doesn't say, you know, that he's out yet. It just says that talks aren't totally progressing. Yeah, and they still have, like I said, five and a half weeks or whatever. And if yeah. I don't I don't I mean, I don't even know if you remember this, but Bob Myers was the assistant general manager to who? Was it Travis Schlenk? Jerry West. Oh, Jerry West. Jerry West was running the team and he came in under Jerry. And then at some point he replaced Jerry and Jerry was a consultant. 
And then Jerry went to the Clippers to do something similar. About to do I the believe. same progression. <laughs> keep following Jerry. What if? What if? I know. I know. Bob's got a lot going on. Like I feel like you know we've haven't we heard like Disney something with him too? Like, like there's this, a, there's I mean there's lots of rumors media and, and I'm I'm sure some of them are being uh, pitched by his whoever's doing his PR. I'm just. I'm just wondering, like, you know how Tom Brady kind of got that contract? He's not Tom Bob Myers, not Tom Brady, but you know how t- Tom Brady kind of got that TV contract that's like, okay, when you retire, same with Draymond, when you retire, mm-hmm. like, this is here for you. Like, I'm wondering if, like, if there's a chance that he does, like, because it, the, the, the story is, right, that Bob Myers doesn't want to be the guy who basically has to trade all of his friends. Like, he doesn't want to be the guy who's like, Okay, Clay Thompson, like, you know, I've known you for X amount of years. You're the road is the gig is up, man. You know, you don't you don't got any more sayonara. Like he doesn't want to do that because these guys are like his friends. Um, and so I'm wondering, like, can he sign a one year contract? We don't know GM salaries. I don't think we know the years on them. It's like the one thing, one of the uh, I don't know, sports contracts we can't actually see. But I'm wondering, like, can you do like a one year deal? Just like the Igadala, like this is this is legit the last dance. One year deal. Um, and he has stuff lined up after, kind of like the Tom Brady Draymond Green media deal. Like he, he's able to figure out something where he's like has something guaranteed for him somewhere else after. He's just doing this for Steph. I I don't think you can um do what he does in his job and do it solely for so there has to be selfishness going on in there. He's not he's not one of five players on the court. He is one of a handful of people who who decide what what's going to happen, right? He is he he only has one boss and that's the big boss. So I would be surprised if he signed on for one more year. The only thing that makes sense to me and why this holdout is is kind of what it is is to just juice up his own price. And, you know, we have this thing uh, which is very similar to how he was brought in, which is Mike Dunleavy is the assistant or wh- whatever whatever he is, whatever his title is. But Bob Myers and, and Mike are at this draft stuff. They're, they're going to be involved. Mike is you, – you, you probably don't even remember Mike as a player. No, but I know his name and I've seen clips, but no, I didn't watch him growing up. But Mike would have been on uh, the teams right before we believe. And when the Warriors drafted him, he was the third pick in the draft behind Yao Ming and Jason Williams, the Jason Williams from Duke, who's now on TV. It was a... Two-player draft, and the Warriors got the third pick. This is just what what always happened uh, for the Warriors. And Dunleavy was not a great player. He was a solid player. But if the way that the fans treated him because he was not Yao Ming was really bad. And I'm actually kind of surprised that this is the franchise that he came back to because of that, because he was just blamed for everything. I remember there was one game you... uh, you guys did not come to this game. You guys were still babies, but me and your mom went and we had these like backstage passes to whatever the club was or whatever the little bar was. And uh, Uncle Cliff, Cliff Robinson was on this team. So this is probably around 2005 time frame, is my guess. 
I just remember Uncle Cliff buying drinks for people in the bar. Uh, and then I remember Mike Dunleavy sitting at a table kind of in the back. There's, you know, some, I don't know if it was his girlfriend or his wife and friends, but there, there was like two or three uh, women next to him. And he just looked like the most unhappy human in this whole place. He's like, do I really have to be here? That was kind of the, the, the thought that I had. So he's not, he like, he was like really blamed for not being great and not taking the warriors to the, you know, to the next level. So he, it's it's just surprising to me that he's the guy that's going to replace Bob Myers because of who he was. And, you know, Bob Myers is a very, I think this is a, he has a friendly relationship with this fan base. The second he leaves, I'm off, I'm out. And the second Mike Dunleavy comes in and makes a decision, he's going to get the blame that Bob Myers will never get. So it's a really interesting thing. And, and, you know, Sean Livingston is is involved in some way. And Sean Livingston's a very popular ex-player. The Lake the of franchise. Kids. And then there's the Lake of Kids coming up. And then there's Joe. Will Joe have even more influence without Bob there? Will he overpower Mike Dunleavy like Mike Dunleavy was overpowered by oh, wow. power players? <laughs> but wow. that's kind of how, how I feel, right? Is, is Mike Dunleavy <laughs> here to basically allow Lake up to have more power because he's, you know, you think, he's you somebody think, that he could influence. You think the way he played on a court is like a direct uh, comparison to how he acts off it? Mm. Hey, hey, a good example is me and 2K, man. I'm getting buckets, <laughs> 30 points per game in 2K. And on real life, I won't shoot the damn ball. <laughs> uh, I know, me and JJ, our team beat your team uh, uh, well, last weekend. Oh, uh, wow. But what I will, like... Okay, a little bit of little bit of good old revisionist history, right? Like, as much as Bob Myers gets praise, he's a charismatic individual, former NBA agent, I believe, and that's um, but like, like eighty or ninety percent of his success is because of a guy he didn't draft. Of three, wait, I thought three he, guys he didn't draft, right? I thought he drafted Clay. I thought Did he, he drafted. Did I don't think play? he drafted. I don't think he drafted Steph. He wasn't even here when Steph was drafted. Yeah. So my point is like, yeah, charismatic guy, former NBA agent, but like none of this happens without the guy you didn't draft. So like, it's kind of like going into you know, uh, this is not a good example because I've never been in a fight, but I was gonna say going into a fight with like the big Jack guy. You know, like you, you feel more confident. That's how like going into free agency negotiations are when you have Steph Curry under contract. You feel a little more confident about the about the team you got that you can get some players. So, Bob Myers is great, man. But as long as I have thirty, I feel like I'm pretty. Uh, and the next GM is going to have an easier job. So I actually got this wrong. I, it's possible Jerry West was not running the team at that point. Jerry West may have been a consultant at the time. But what's the um, Travis Link connection? Because TK was saying he was on here. I wasn't paying attention to front office stuff back then. So I forget how he was involved because he went to Atlanta yeah. to be the GM and then I got replaced. Was, by I think he was, uh, I think he was Myers assistant. Okay. Is, is what it was. Um, he, let's see. Yeah. He was assistant general manager with the warriors having joined them in 2004. So he's been with the team for a long time. He was the video scout 
of Bob? the team. He al- he also worked. No, uh, Travis. Oh, okay, okay. He also worked as video coordinator for the Heat. Yeah, bring uh, him before back before then, and then uh, he, he ran the job. Uh, basketball operations in Georgia. So, okay, so I, I say all of that to say this, which is. If you are Bob Myers and you feel like you have some leverage, you have outside opportunities, this is a hard job. You're at the end of Steph's reign here. You know, Steph has more years behind him than he has looking forward as far as his basketball career is going. He now Steph had a great year. Steph's probably going to have a great year next year. Yeah. Right. Like the, he just like, doesn't look like he's slowing down. The only thing that can slow him down is injuries, right? And and he's had injuries in the past, but you know he's gonna he's gonna play until the wheels fall off. And if he has to change his game, then maybe he plays a little bit more off ball um, with with uh, you know and, and not the man at some point later in his career in his upper thirties or whatever. So if you're Bob Myers, your leverage is. I have all of these other things to do um, running this organization with all of these egos and superstars and such is not easy. And so, you know, if someone else can do it, then that's fine. And, and his, his I would say probably his number one job is managing owner expectations, right? You have an owner who, uh, believes that uh, he is light years ahead of uh, these other organizations. And so you kind of have to know when to agree and disagree and try and do the things that the owner wants and then tell the owner, hey, this is not very smart. Like, we probably shouldn't do this, right? That is probably his most important job. Uh, and and it is also very important for him to have the relationships that you had. I don't know if he would say that they're friends necessarily but they are people they are colleagues who he is very close to and he ha- he will have to make some hard decisions clay clay thompson is not going to be signed for 40 million dollars again like it's just not happening uh, they have a really tough decision on draymond as well that you kind of hope that they decide now when, when bob is there versus when he's not there but maybe it's easier for mike dunleavy to come in and go okay I am not as close to these guys and, and I can make this decision with a better, uh, a better mindset and less of a bias. Who knows? Who knows what that is? But I, I would say uh, Bob is in a great spot. Joe Lacob, and this is owner stuff. Like if Joe Lacob believes that he doesn't have to pay top dollar for the, this, uh, this GM because he has to pay so much money in luxury tax for his own team. And then he's going to have to do this dance with Kerr after next year, then maybe it is the GM who kind of takes it. And maybe he does believe in the, the, the tree of success for the Warriors, which is they've built this team. Bob is, is at the top and then he's got his lieutenants and everyone is sort of working together. Maybe he believes that they won't skip a beat. That is his decision. That is his money. It is his uh, job as an owner to make that decision. And you just hope that there's no hard feelings. But if you're Bob and you believe that you're doing a great job and you believe that uh, you know you're you're valuable, then you test those waters and, and see what's out there. What what if he does have a an offer from another team uh, that will make him happier? Uh, that that's you know that's that's the thing. And and Lakeup has to be able to 
walk away if he believes that is best for the team. Yeah, I think the Clippers guy, GM, is is looking at like something in Washington too. So that just continues to line it up for Bobby Boy. Um, but yeah, like you said, managing egos from the player side and from the owner side. I don't know. I'm 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 high on Mike Dunleavy's ability to do that. What better to <laughs> consult a player than a former player? They get it, right? I don't want Lakeup's kid, little rich boy growing up, nepotism job to be the one who's who's trying to make players feel better. Okay, but you've watched you've watched Succession, right? You've watched first couple seasons of Succession. I'm only at the end of season one, so I don't know. But I I know the story, and I you know I I've I cover wrestling, so I cover the McMahon's as well, uh, right? It's gonna be a terrible comparison because these people are just bad people. No, no, no. But I hope the Lakeups aren't that. (laughs) No, no, no. I I don't think that they are. If I, I highly doubt that they are. But you know the kind of the hierarchy because you're saying nepotism and and you're you you believe by saying that that neither of the of the sons would have that job without joe being their dad and i don't know if that's true or not i I don't know their work i've never met them it sounds like um they're pretty smart dudes in in general um and they they work hard but is it do you tr- the thing about the the nepotism thing is do you trust the dad to treat them as his equal uh that is the hard part right that is that that is the hard part in cases like this if you if you want your sons to be a part of this operation can you manage them like employees rather than like your children yeah i have no clue i don't know the lakeups like that um if they're anything like the roys no <laughs> <laughs> so yeah all right. We will see. All right. Yep. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out of market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. For prediction? Um, it just doesn't feel right that if you talk about the core five, the core five is really Steph, Clay, Dre, Steve Kerr, Bob Myers. It's like been the same group of people since this thing all started. It doesn't feel right that the GM's the first one out, you know? Um, so I, I don't think you should, she should, but, I don't but think you should go. If one of the five had to leave, which one of the five would you want to leave? If I just it's had probably to pick Myers. one right now, it's probably Myers, right? 
I'd trade Clay, Nick. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. It's probably if if you get nothing in return, which one do I think should leave? Yeah, Bob Myers. <laughs> it's probably Myers. Uh, okay, let, let's switch gears a little bit because I want to talk about this um, the end of the season, which we saw last Friday. We were in Tucson at O'Malley's, and we watched a very uh tired i would say warriors team lose to the lakers it wasn't really that that close of a game and it got out of control in the second half but what were your major takeaways from that game and and i'll start with 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 one and then and then we'll just to get the conversation going but the the one takeaway and you, you kind of mentioned it is is clay uh People were expecting Clay to have a big game. And I think he had one good game in the entire series, but no like Clay games like, like expected. And I'm actually, I, I, you know, he's a confident guy, but I wonder how much of it is being confident for the sake of being confident and being confident because he truly believes it. Because he was open. <laughs> He, you know, he, he had to take some hard shots because he loves taking hard shots. But they kind of disrespected him in the way that they guarded the Warriors. And he, in, in that series against Sacramento, he made sure to stay to say, hey, if you're going to guard Steph like that, that just means I'm going to be open. So I embrace that. The Lakers did the same thing and he did not come through. And so does that mean that Clay is washed? Does that mean does that mean that Clay just had a bad series? Uh, he mentioned a, a mental fatigue, but I think that is the that is the one like there there's a bunch of things that they that, that they're going to talk about. Jordan Poole, obviously we'll get to Jordan Poole. Jonathan Kaminga not playing, but Clay I think is is just as important as any one of them when it comes to what the heck happened there? Like, the what does anyone have the answer to that question? I don't have the answer to that question. Clay is on the court to be the one to punish teams for doubling Steph, and he didn't. Um, yeah, that was that was pretty frustrating to watch. I, I was looking at Clay's numbers, and he's uh, uh, for the playoffs: thirty-eight point eight percent from the field, thirty-six point eight from three. So like he shot the three ball like relatively well, but yeah, from the field he was atrocious. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm, man, I tried to trade this guy at the trade deadline for Siakam. <laughs> <laughs> like I, 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 I'm sentimental, and and you know you can't do it without Clay, but like he's had two major injuries, I can't totally blame him for falling off. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't think. Um, like there's got to be things that I think are said to him uh, that I don't think he will accept, which is one, I think he needs to come off the bench. Two, I think he cannot be shooting. Let me check the numbers. Uh, he cannot be shooting 16.8 uh, shots a game, the second most on the team. Um, Like, I just don't think that he is that type of player and nor do I believe that he is the type of player uh, anymore that you can't say that to that. You can't say, Hey, don't take these many shots. Don't take as many shots. Cause you know, 
I don't know. I feel like he's in that he's in that decline denial, and I don't want to. He had a good season. He actually had a really good season, which is kind of the annoying part of it all. Which is like I doubted him, and then he started to prove me wrong, and then he actually ended up with like the best couple months of his season of his career when I tried to trade him. So I just I just this that that's why like the playoffs are you know players get marked or 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 deemed as a playoff worthy player and that kind of changes the trajectory of their career if you're labeled as a guy who shows up in the playoffs you're way more valued and i thought clay was you know one of the people that that people joke about sending to shanghai to send to china uh to play in that league when you when you don't show up in the playoffs so okay but my, here's my question based off what you just said what else is he there to do if you don't want him shooting? I want him shooting. I just think I want him shooting better shots. And I don't think you can convince Clay Thompson not to take leaners. They, but he, he takes shots. He believes they need to a swing the momentum or B, you know, sort of late in the clock, hard to kind of shots. I would love to see his numbers on those. Cause I don't imagine that they're very good. But you talk about somebody who plays with confidence. Uh, he loses his confidence, which may have happened in this playoffs, and he's probably a completely different player. I don't, like. I, I I would agree with you in some senses of we don't need the the heat check. Uh, you know, twenty seconds left on the shot clock. Ones, those are that's just being a smart basketball player but he's got that fire and that belief that tells him that he can make those. Those shots in the Lakers series though, like he's got to shoot those. Like if he, if he starts passing those shots up, you're like, uh, you're gun shy now. And, and so that's an interesting thing. And, you know, how does someone like clay age as a, as an older player, how does he extend his career uh, if he's not the main, you know, the he's he's always been the secondary focal point on on this Warriors team, uh, except for when KD was there. But if you ask Clay, he's like, oh, I'm still doing whatever I, I I always do. So that is a conversation to have. He believes that it is mental fatigue, at least according to the quotes that we've heard. He believes it's mental fatigue. He believes it. What does mental fatigue mean? Like I mentally tired, mentally exhausted. But what from what? The grind. The uh, the pain, possibly. I mean, he's probably not. He's probably hurting, right? His, his, he's coming back from, uh, re, uh, had his ACL and his Achilles completely redone. So uh, there's a lot of stuff in the in in the grind aspect, and you know, let let's the the whole chaos from the beginning of the season, defending the title, and then having. Uh, the the Jordan Poole and, and Draymond punch. There there were I'm sure there were more people asking those guys negative questions about the season than they would have had if that punch didn't happen. So I can see that part of it too. Like he's he's making paper airplanes in the you know in the interviews to kind of take his mind off of some of the questions and you know he's looking at stat sheets and. You know, that's how he's always done it, but, you know, it's much easier when you're the upstart team who people want you to win. They're happy for your success. And then when it's the the death lineup team, 
you're, you're kind of rebellious. You're like, what? People don't want us to win. Well, we're going to show you. We're going to go out and win 65 games. And then we're going to run through LeBron and sweep those guys. And and th- so then last year you win it and you're just like, wow, we, we, we proved him again. And now the, you know, now the people hate us again. And so th- there's, there's lots of ups and downs emotionally. I'm sure I just, I, I guess I just worry about the, um, he seems like a, a guy who you, he, he needs to know that you really love him <laughs> and, and uh, talking about Jordan or clay clay, like he, he, both of them, he needs to, you know, he needs that. He needs to know that, that, that his teammates believe in him, I think. So hopefully they can figure it out. He believes also that he didn't come into shape and we knew that. And that's why he didn't play in the beginnings. That is, that is sort of an unanswerable question that could have something to do about his mental mindset as well there. Uh, But, you know, he got through the season, so I never understood that. And hopefully he will figure out whatever he needs to figure out. But that's my first takeaway so what what do you have based on what we saw in that six game series um i think some of my major summaries from that series is what we've been saying all year is that the warriors they just weren't taking things seriously i thought the lakers were super advantageous with their position and i think they executed it perfectly the warriors messed around in game six didn't take it seriously it took steph a, a speech for them to go and win game seven but that same night of game six against the kings that same night, the Lakers beat Memphis to win the series um, and, and get X amount of days of rest up until game one. We said it on this podcast that game one was the one for the Lakers to probably get because the Warriors were tired from playing two days before. So I think that I don't think it's a hot take to say that if the Warriors took care of business in game six against Sack, like this series might have been different. I think it's not a hot take to say that if Lonnie Walker doesn't turn into 1996 Michael Jordan for 12 minutes in the fourth quarter that this might have been a different series. Um, but, you know, I mean, isn't, there's no woulda, coulda, shoulda for me, but it is like, I don't want to give up on this this group. Like, I don't think they got waxed. I don't think, you know, I think that there's a probably a few changes you can make and you're, you're back in the mix again next year. So, um yeah, I, I just think the Lakers were way more almost vet savvy than the Warriors were, which is pretty odd. Um, you know, that's that's just how good LeBron is, uh, not just his ability on the court, but just stuff like that. Like, I'm sure he's like, guys, like this is one we can get, like amping them up to be the away team that steals game one against the Warriors. And he did it against Memphis. And I bet you he tried to do it against Denver, too, because that would have been a big one to get for them. But I think Denver was just so well rested and they're actually like really good. Uh, but the Lakers kind of almost did it. But. Yeah, uh, I think the Lakers super advantageous. I think the Warriors just that story from the entire season, you know, just kind of felt like they were not totally serious about it. The Lakers did a good job exposing the Warriors weaknesses and they did it all season long, right? They would just lay back on certain guys uh, that, you know, you saw that kind of that triangle defense that they would play against Steph which meant that you needed guys to shoot and, you know, Draymond not, he's, he's not a threat. Clay was missing. So now it's really down to one guy because Jordan Poole had such a terrible series. So it's down to one guy, you know, Moses Moody. Yeah. Moses Moody going to make a couple surprise threes, but they don't care. And the Warriors don't go to him enough because they don't believe that that is the right play. They don't believe that, oh, they're not guarding Moses. Let's get Moses looks. They're, they're like, no, we're just going to run our offense. So 
There is an interesting thing that I was saying uh, after after that Lonnie Walker game, which was the Warriors would never have signed Lonnie Walker. They would have looked at him and said, there's no way he fits into what we do. And he's not a good enough defensive player. He doesn't fit in the flow. He's not a good passer. So they were, they'd been way off him. You heard Tim Kawakami say the same thing about Dennis Schroeder on the last plus minus. The problem though is the Warriors have all these guys that fit in this system, and yet nobody wanted to take a shot. Nobody wanted to be the guy to make a bucket. And for as much as we love GP2, passing up layups, right? Because he doesn't want to get blocked, doesn't want to have to go to the free throw line. Draymond, passing up layups because he doesn't want to get blocked. He doesn't want to go to the free throw line, even though I feel like Draymond shot the free throw really, really well during these playoffs. Um, you know, you can you can name a bunch of other guys. Dante G- DiVincenzo, he's not going into that lane unless he feels like he has a chance to finish. Doesn't want to get blocked. So who is who who's the guy that's gonna be there to take that shot? Well, it's supposed to be Jordan Poole. He was he, he's willing to take it. He's just not always gonna make the right play. So one of the other takeaways is the Warriors need players who may not fit the template of what Myers and Kerr believe to be a true warrior. They need someone who is not afraid to shoot a big shot. They need a Jordan Clarkson type who's just like almost irresponsibly confident because that that person, you know, J.R. Smith with the Cavs, that person will shoot you out of some games, but also at the same time, when everyone else who is afraid to shoot, that guy will not be afraid to shoot, and he'll be able to get a big bucket. Literally though. Jordan Poole before he got punched in the face. That's who Jordan. That's who I comped Jordan Poole to when he was coming up. I was like, this guy actually is okay, like Jordan Clarkson who could pass. He, he was also the target of our criticism during the finals last year. So, you know, we with the whole playoffs, we were saying, this dude needs to be tougher. He needs to, he needs to st- attack. He can't be scared to go in the middle. Like we were saying all of those things. So when they won the title, maybe our belief was that maybe he did do more of that than we gave him credit for. But I very much remember us making him the target of our criticism when it came to getting to being tough, you know, and they need playoff tough guys, which because of who they are, you would think that, oh, you know, they have Jermichael Green is not that guy as much as we wanted him to be. He's not that guy. And now Kerr gave him a shot. Kerr had start, did that funky lineup where he started Jermichael Green, and he was just like, hey, just go in the corner and shoot threes, which is the same thing that Kaminga gets chastised for, even though Kaminga shoots him you know, at 37%. So to me, that's kind of unfair because you, you bench a guy, and then you let the other guy who doesn't is not as impressive throughout the whole season, you let that guy do the same thing you chastise the other guy for. So it's a little bit of a double standard. Uh, and, and really... Our, our, my question about why Kaminga did not get one single shot has not been answered yet. Not by any of these podcasts, not by any of these beat writers. You, you don't, you don't go into a series and not at least explore your most athletic guy in a team of big athletic guys as your two best players. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, we keep, yeah, it'd be nice to have a guy like, I guess, Lonnie Walker in that position, you know, 
I mean, he hasn't done anything since, and I doubt he'll do anything going forward, though. I genuinely think it was this once-in-a-lifetime experience, this crazy moment that will never be replicated he, he again. Played, he played well in Game 6 as well. He played okay in Game 6. I feel like he did hit like a, a couple nice shots, but the Warriors' ego was deflated. They were done by the time I felt like he started to spark up. But, yeah... They need a, They just need a lot of things entering this offseason. They need what Jordan Poole is supposed to be. They need that guy, a, a, a creator, um, a shot creator for when Steph sits, who's reliable to get you a bucket. They, they need a, a guy like that, and that's what Jordan's supposed to be. And they need uh, more interior help, like another what Wiseman was supposed to be. Like they were hoping he'd be like a, like a JaVale McGee type that we said that on the podcast too. They need that guy. No, um, well, well, you remember when I was saying that you were like, yeah, but then I remember I caved. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that you, you said anything wrong, but just to, it just shows you how far we went with what Wiseman was supposed to be. Cause you're like, he's supposed to be a foundational piece and you want him to just rim run. And I'm like, at least he'll be able to play because Kerr doesn't let him play to tell him to just do one thing, rim run and run, pick and roll with Steph, crash, crash the basket, run, pick and roll and Steph flash out and then get out of the way and let Steph cook. Don't clog the paint because that doesn't work with Steph. Those are the things that we were like, if he can do those things, at least he'll get on the court and maybe he can do something. And he couldn't even do those things. So, that that is how far we relented with who we expected Wiseman to be, and now he's going to go. You know, so we'll see if he can do that elsewhere. But he didn't. You know, he didn't. He didn't. Let's just say that he didn't kick ass in Detroit when he was given the opportunity, right? And that yeah. that's probably not the best fit for him because they already have two other young bigs. It's a terrible fit for him. I yeah. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, I, I'm just a, I'm a little worried entering this offseason because, you know, they're kind of messed up with this money situation. Um, is Joe Lacob willing to pay that tax bill? Because if he's not, then you literally just have to almost cut, not cut, but get rid of someone and not really get anything in return in terms you, of you present value. You two. Man. Did you read the Tim Kalkami and Danny LaRue piece? Uh-uh, I haven't yet. They, they basically said, you know, if if you're talking about getting under the – the you know these different tax aprons like it's not only just one guy you probably have to get rid of two guys so that's crazy man that's such a ugh, gross and, but I, I don't think that joe lakeup is is that guy right he's not going to be like hey you know i gave you guys one and now we're going to restructure he, he he wants to win every year and he knows that you can't you know he saw in 2021 when you tried to roll steph and draymond out there with uh, randos, that's about as far as they got was, you know, 500, a little bit over 500 record. They had to close strong to actually make the play in. And then they lost in, in the two play in games. That is what you get. If you have just Steph and Draymond or just Steph and clay or just Steph and Wiggins, they do have to figure out, you know, maybe it's a, you you'd have to pick is it is it Jordan or is it Draymond? You may have to make that decision, you know, just to make sense. So I don't think that they're going to bring this whole team back, though. I, I just can't see that Lakeup's going to go. Okay, we're going to pay even more tax or just as much tax as we did last year, and we're going to bring back this funky team. And some of this, right now, we don't blame Steve Kerr. 
in most cases, some of this is the way that they handled that Jordan Poole situation. Was it a decision of whether you had to worry about Draymond's feelings? And if you back Jordan and you punish Draymond and you suspended him for five games, then you lose him for the whole season? Because you heard Kerr say, we're not, a, we're not a contender without Draymond. So they fully believe that Draymond is a much more valuable player than Jordan is. But in doing that, maybe you, lose, you lost Jordan. I think you did. Uh, I don't, the only, I don't see him, uh, wanting to return to this team except for the fact that, you know, I was telling someone during the playoffs, I was like, you know, if you are Jordan Poole, like if you value like your personal brand and like making as much money as you can, I think you stay with golden state because this guy who's maybe a top 100 player in the NBA was top 10 in Jersey sales. <laughs> and that's just cause he's playing with Steph on the golden state warriors. And he's a little, got a little spunk to his game. Um, but if you, if you value your mental health and, and just like being happy when you wake up, like go to Orlando, <laughs> go to San Antonio. Um, but yeah, I don't see like the more and more I think about it, like the more and more, like I get worried about how hard it is going to be to replace that Jordan pool spot. Because I think that is an important an important position that he plays, not position, but role. Being a creator with Steph on off the off the court, like I don't trust Wiggins right now to be that guy, even though he was kind of supposed to be a little bit of that guy. Um, I obviously don't trust Clay, and you know, it's just Jordan. So I I, I think it's going to be extremely hard to replace that spot. But I just don't see a world where like he like really wants to, you know. Uh, work this out and and come back and I guess it's not totally his decision but hell player power is is at its peak he could, he could request out and I'm sure they did give it to him so well he he could request out but the Warriors have shown that they will take it to the twelfth hour to create their leverage which is the D'Angelo Russell Andrew Wiggins scenario right they waited until the end of the trade deadline to, to get that trade done, because if they had done it sooner, they wouldn't have gotten everything that they wanted. So Jordan, if he does want out, it's not going to happen on his time. It's going to happen on the time of the best trade opportunity for the Warriors. Unfortunately for Jordan, he just had a, a, a bad playoffs. I, I would not consider his season overall bad. I think he good. had moments when he was able to start, I think he played pretty well. That there were just moments uh, in certain games where he he uh, he was going for his a little bit too much, and it cost them. And you see how you saw how some of those guys reacted to it. So you can tell he's not close to those guys. He he's not uh, he's probably not hanging out with those guys, and and he's way younger than those guys at the same time. But um, you know, I, I really. I really wish Andre didn't get hurt and Andre could have been a little bit more of a focal point because there's you, there's so much you can do. There's only so much you can do when you're on the sidelines, but when you're on the court and there's that chemistry and there's that brotherhood, I think he could have helped mend some of this stuff. But, man, that dude gave up his whole retirement year to try and reconnect those guys, this team. <laughs> What a and waste. So kudos, but I mean, kudos to Andre, right? Like that's the true team player right there is to come back with Steph and, and 
try and do something and try and get them back, you know, into the, into the championship, but it just didn't work out. And a lot of times when you do stuff like that, it doesn't work out. It, it, it that's a, a great story. That's the storybook ending. And it almost never happens that way. So Andre knew that as well. Um, all right. So I'm, you know, we're going to talk about this stuff all season long, all off season long, uh, we'll talk more Jordan next time because I think he's going to be the focal point of this offseason until he isn't. But we're also going to have to talk about Draymond because he's got an option. And I don't listen to his podcast, so I don't know if he's leaned any which way it, with what he wants to do. But that's going to be another thing we talk about. And, you know, the the great thing about Steph is he's the constant. You don't really have to worry about him. Uh, until you do, maybe there is going to be a point where, you know, Steph is like, okay, guys, you know, this, this is going to change here. But right now, you know, he's the constant. So uh, we have one more segment and we're going to do this for the rest of the, uh, until the draft. And I just decided to call it Bryce Fitz. Mm. Who is going to be available possibly around where the Warriors pick at number 19 and who is going to fit with what they need? Now, I'm not sure there's a young player who can fit because we saw this entire season what happened to all the young players. Kaminga, Moody, their minutes got yanked around. Wiseman, so much so that they traded him. PBJ, did PBJ even play 35 games? I don't even I don't even know how many games he played, but. Uh, for for a team that is is old and and had a lot of tread on their tires, Steve Kerr certainly did not trust the young players in in any way, and you know probably couldn't have trusted them based on some of the stuff that they did. But we have a few weeks until the draft, and your first fit for where the Warriors are going to draft is Chris Murray, twin brother of Sacramento Kings, excellent rookie. Keegan Murray. Yeah. Um, you know, you talk about, you know, the Warriors are probably not going to draft another teenager because how we've seen them treat Kaminga and Moody in their first year, how we've seen them treat Wiseman, how we've seen them treat Patrick Baldwin Jr. and Ryan Rollins in their first year. All those guys spent a lot of time in Santa Cruz. I don't think they can afford to draft another guy who they expect to be in Santa Cruz. The reasoning for Chris Murray is he's like kind of the opposite of that. He's going to be like 23 when he plays his first game. He is older and he is ready to contribute right now. Um, he's a guy that, you know, I bet the Warriors probably could have used in this playoff run, a guy who can hit a wide open three uh, confidently. Um, he, you know, and another, another point for, for Chris is, how many uh how many twins can you think of that like I feel like twins are usually selected within a couple picks of each other. There's not really a big talent gap between twins. The ones that I can remember the league. The ones that I can remember are the Morris twins. Morris Lopez, the Lopez year, twins. Thompson twins. And well the Thompson twins, yeah, for this year. Well, you talk talk and I'll see where where the Morris twins are drafted. They were like right after each other. So my point is that, you know, uh, I, I, I think that I think there is a gap between Chris and Keegan because I think Keegan has some on-ball creation that I don't think Chris has. Mm -hmm. But in terms of like shooting, I can't imagine it's that far off. In terms of defense, defense, I can't imagine it's that far off. I'm sure they're similar athletes. Um, I just think it's more of the on-ball stuff. 
Chris didn't get as much of an opportunity to shine at Iowa uh, when Keegan was there. Keegan did a lot of the on-ball stuff, um, so Chris was kind of getting like a backup role. Uh, Keegan goes to the Kings. Chris gets that opportunity to shine, and he is averaging 20.2 points per game, 33.5% from three, which isn't great, but it was on high volume, 6.8 attempts, 7.9 rebounds per game, 1.2 blocks per game. Um, you know, I just think that, I think that this isn't a high ceiling swing. This is like a high floor swing who a guy on his first year of his rookie contract. I'm, I can't remember the number that's at, but I, I want, is that below a vet minimum or is that above a vet minimum for that first year of the rookie contract? Um, I guess that's not the most important thing, but I think it is important to have that, like a low number for a guy who's going to contribute. Uh, yeah, that but, helps their, that helps their salary thing. Like yeah. the, the, what, the decision that they're going to have to make and where they then have to cut more is like when Kaminga, uh, you know, they're going to, they're going to have, uh, cause rookie has rookies have scaling contracts, first round picks at least. So. Yeah. So when, when, when Moody, I mean, Moody, when Kaminga gets to year, uh, four and five, then that increases. And then he's got to, then they have his, his rights for, for the next contract. So that, yep. you know, that's why, winning now was important or winning last year was important because those contracts were not out of control at some point in the next two years Kaminga's contract uh, is probably going to be a concern because uh, same uh, and that that's that's what Jordan Poole was this year right yeah I think if they keep this pick it's gonna be a guy who they think can help right now um I think we're gonna do all these bry fits and I think they're gonna trade the pick <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, I think and they the... traded though. Ooh, because the the current well, well the it, current it, it, rule... it, 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 then make a selection and then trade it. I That's think probably you a get, way to no, get around I, it. I, I think you have to draft somebody. Yeah, draft you have someone. To draft the player and then you can trade him. Yeah, but you cannot so, trade the pick. I think the, what's because most they're likely... trading next year's pick. If it the is Stepian one... rule, the Stepian rule, whatever yeah, it's called, yeah, can't trade back to back picks. Yeah, uh, you can't not have two picks in two years, something like that. Um, but no, I think that's the argument. I think what's most likely going to happen is that let's say like a GG Jackson falls somehow falls and a team. I mean, I just, I think they're going to probably go best player available and draft it because that has the highest upside for a trade, a high ceiling pick had that, that pick has value. The guy who they draft has value. That's what I think will probably happen. But in the case that it doesn't, I think Chris Murray is is potentially the pick here. Um, you know, just just all my, just all my points is that he's ready to help now, and I just don't think Twins can be that different in talent gap. And if the Warriors had Keegan Murray right now, they'd be in the finals probably. What, what is what is his position on the Warriors? So yeah, I was trying to think of of whose spot he's taking, and I think that there's a chance like that he takes like uh, he gets like some of what DiVincenzo's minutes were some of what DiVincenzo and GP2's minutes were because like obviously like if Kaminga stays on this team like I don't think you can afford to have Chris Murray take his minutes or else he's not on the team right like you need his main thing is like let me play so um I mean if we just talk about the guys who have a guaranteed roster spot for next season uh it's it's the starting lineup Steph Clay Wiggins Draymond Kevon Looney Jordan Poole for just going on who has who has a for sure spot for next year Anyone could get traded, but Jordan Poole, Moses Moody, GP2, Jonathan Kaminga, Ryan Rollins, and PBJ. Is that 10 guys? It's 11, I think. 
Yeah. So, um, and they still don't have a backup center. Yeah, I think I think he's got a. So, mm. but okay. So, what lineup possibility would you see him as a fit? Is he playing? I think he can play with Steph. Is he playing the power forward next to Draymond center? Ooh, yeah, I think there's a chance he could. I think that could that could be a fun small ball lineup. Uh, Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Chris Murray, Draymond. <laughs> sounds weird to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he's six eight, yeah. two twenty. He didn't rebound terrifically well, but he he averaged eight rebounds uh, last year. That's pretty good. He's not the center. He's not the yeah. power forward on his Iowa team. Um, he bl- he actually blocked. Uh, he he had a one point two blocks, which is his high upwards of a 0.9 the year before he actually shot the three ball much better the year before in, in less minutes and less. It's because I, I believe it's because he, the year before he had a way less of a role. He didn't have to do as much on ball creation. He could just sit in a corner and shoot wide open threes. That, I think that's, that's the attraction for me with this, with, with Chris Murray on the warriors is that he has the op- opportunity to sit in a corner wide open and shoot threes. All right. So, um, how is does, does any is there any uh, information on defensively how he is? KOC thinks he's solid. Really? I think he's okay. I think he's probably a little worse than his brother because I don't think his brother's all that great. I think his brother's just pretty. He's pretty average, maybe a little above average. I think Chris will probably be average. So speaking of KOC, because we love to bring up KOC's mock draft, which is a, a, a really fun tool. If you're interested in this stuff, if you just search for the Ringer uh, mock draft or the so, draft guide, um, it's not even called the draft guide. Uh, oh, are you looking the at the mock draft? Because I look at the I, I use the draft guide. Oh, you use the draft? Yeah, because he 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 puts them in order of what he thinks they're going to do, and then he puts them in order of who, who yeah. the best players are. Um, okay, so if you look at KOC's big board. Um, he's got Keegan Murray at pick number 27. So that's much lower than where the Warriors draft. He says the positives are he's got a good feel for the game. He's intelligent. He's a catch and shoot. So three and D kind of like what you were saying, you, you know, you're comfortable with him open in the corner on ball defense and off ball defense. His minuses is the age, but that's not necessarily a problem for the Warriors. That's not a minus actually for the Warriors. A pro for the Warriors. Um, and he lacks a dynamic handle off the dribble. Good Fine first step, me. doesn't have great speed or shake and bake move. So those are his minuses, according to KOC. Yeah, trade down in front of the Kings. You'll get him. What if the Kings draft the twins? That's what he that, that's what every mock draft has him going to. Is really? The Kings. Yeah. All right, so we'll do this. Uh, the draft is the 22nd, I believe, so a few weeks away. But we'll do one player uh, a show until we get to the draft. And then is the draft on a Thursday or a Wednesday this year? Do you know? I have no clue. I don't even know what it is. I'm looking right now. Thursday. So we'll do – maybe we'll come back Thursday night if we can and do like a post-draft show because, you know, last year the draft was – not as important because they had just won the championship and 
not saying it's super important this year, but I think there's going to be more intrigue for who the Warriors take because it'll show, I think it'll show people who they believe uh, are players who can fit, who can play because they, they obviously have not drafted those guys. Like Uh, I think if they draft Chris Murray, they keep the pick. (laughs) Yeah. Cause he's just not the highest ceiling guy in that spot. Like he's, He's kind of a, I don't know, he's, he's just he's just like an older player, low high floor guy. Yeah. Okay. All right. That is it. Our first off-season pod. We'll be back next week. I'm sure there will be news coming out next week. Who knows? Maybe there will even be a decision on some of these players and, and Bob Myers himself. But uh, all right. We'll be back next week. For Bri, I am Double G. See you when we see you. Peace out. Hey, this is Elliot Smith from the Arsenal Vision Podcast. In case you didn't know, the show you're listening to right now, as well as my show, is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows, led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans. Over the past few years, Blue Wire has privately raised over $10 million to expand their team, podcast network, and business operations. Now they're raising another round on the platform WeFunder. WeFunder is a crowdsourcing service that connects startups with investors. It's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be part of a growing startup. You can invest as little as $100, and in other words, that means you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in a cool company on WeFunder. BlueWire is raising money to expand their team, improve operations, and that will in turn help this show continue to grow. If you'd like to be a part of the BlueWire investment round or want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com slash bluewire. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc